0: Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. A year ago, on November 11th, Friday, We released our impact worship, released our very first song into the world, and it was called He is the Miracle, and if you were here that weekend on Sunday, that song started climbing the iTunes charts, and much to our disbelief, it went to number one on the iTunes charts, and... I preached the very same day a message titled, He is the miracle. In fact, in the introduction of that sermon, I said, I I believe in miracles. I said, you cannot be a Christian without believing in miracles because Christianity is built on the very belief in miracles. And maybe you need a miracle today. God does miracles. He is a God of miracles. And little did I know that 24 hours after I preached my sermon. That I would need the very same kind of miracle that I just preached about. Little did I know that. I would suffer a brain bleed and a hemorrhagic stroke and everything I believe in everything that I teach on everything that I preach on is now being put to the ultimate test. I was rushed to the hospital in an ambulance and then I was helicoptered to a level one trauma center. and lost all functionality, speech and cognition and memory and motor skills. And I couldn't talk. It was just mumbled gibberish. As I laid in the hospital bed, the doctor would ask me questions over and over and over and over and over again, what year is it? And I I didn't know when, when is your birthday? And I didn't know. What are your children's names? And I didn't, I didn't know. It's like your kids. And I cried tears and I looked at my wife who stood by my side because she's always been by my side. And I said as plain and as clear as day, count it all joy. and the doctor said, what did he say? And my wife said, he's quoting scripture from the Bible in the book of James chapter one, verse two, that says, count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, I don't know what trial you're up against today but count it all joy and I don't know but that's crazy is that not crazy I couldn't talk I was just mumbling nonsense didn't know my birthday what year it was my children's names but I could look at my wife and plainly say count it all joy And I had to count it all joy because not only was it a trial, it was the trial of all trials. In fact, the doctor told my wife that the specific type of stroke that I had, which she just mentioned in the area that I had it in. And I, I didn't know anything about strokes until I needed to know something about strokes. But there's lots of different kinds of strokes. And the particular one that I had in the area that I had it in. He warned her that the effects would be irreversible. In other words, I'd never be able to remember. I'd never be able to comprehend. I'd never be able to talk again. By the way, I'm a preacher. No, the effects would be irreversible. And a cardiologist about three months after the stroke, he told Natalie and I together. You guys are lucky. You, you should count your blessings because you should be dead or a vegetable. That's is verbatim. You should be, you are lucky. You should count your blessings because you should be dead or a vegetable. A, a phrase that I'll never forget. And maybe he's right. Except for the fact that you cannot be a Christian without believing in miracles except for the fact that the God we serve, he is the miracle. And miraculously, miraculously, let me tell you something, miraculously, my first sermon I preached after my stroke was five weeks later for Christmas Eve. And I preached a message titled Count it all joy. I did it on video. It wasn't live, but I did it in one take, which was shocking when I couldn't talk. Not too long before that. And then my second sermon back, which was my first sermon back live. It was January 15th, two months after my stroke, two months. And I preached the message that I titled reversing the irreversible because God wanted me to tell you that God is reverse able, look at somebody and tell them God is reverse able. God is reverse able and nobody can ever tell me nobody could ever convince me that for me, the stroke That I suffered was not an attempted assassination by the devil himself. Nobody could ever convince me otherwise that the very same weekend we released our first worship song into the world, the very same weekend the song went number one and defied all odds, the very same weekend that I preached a title, He is the Miracle, the very same weekend. I would suffer a brain aneurysm, hemorrhagic stroke that targeted my speech, targeted my calling. You know, the devil's after your calling, he's after your purpose. He targeted my very reason. For existence, so I don't know how you'd react to that, but I took it personal. I took it personal, and for the last 12 months, I've been preaching messages with a chip on my shoulder because this was personal. He tried to take my health, I took that personal. He tried to take my wife's husband away from her. I took that personal. He tried to take my children's daddy away from them. I took that personal. This last week on the actual anniversary of the stroke Tuesday, my son, Josiah, he texted me the morning of my stroke. And when I mean the morning, I mean like 12.04 the night before which was his morning. But he said, dad, I'm so thankful to God that he gave you a second chance at life. I thank him every day. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have you in my life. We've had so many memories since you survived. And then he lists a whole bunch of them. Three. Metallica concerts. Four weeks after my stroke, I got permission from my doctor to fly. So we went to Beverly Hills to a Metallica concert. And I sat through the entire concert with a blood pressure monitor attached to my arm. I did. It's not like we went to some like, you know, country concert where I could be a little chill. No, I had to like go into the face of the enemy. Let's see how raging I can get and not actually die. We went to a Guns N' Roses concert, felt bad for Axel. because he's more like Mickey Mouse Axel at this point in his career. We went to UFC fights, he listed them, NBA, NFL, MLB games, Super Bowl, World Series, Elevation Church's live recording, Super Bowl party, Lake Pleasant Days, Disneyland. It sounds like a fun year, didn't it? Listen, the greatest gift that you can give the people that you love the most is your time and your attention. The devil tried to take away my calling, so I took that personal. He tried to shut me up. I just thought I'd let all of you know the devil will never shut me up. He'll never be able to shut me up if I had to gibber about Jesus, if I had to mumble about Jesus. I can't be shut up. The devil tried to take away my preaching, my teaching, my handwriting, my typing, my songwriting, my singing. So I took that personal. I don't know if you guys know, but for the first several sermons I preached, maybe the first 10 I preached, uh, the right side of my body, it's still numb, but it was, you could have stabbed me and I wouldn't know. Well, you can't type if you don't have your typing hand skills. So it would take me 10 times as long to put a message together. The devil's fighting for my calling. Impact Church family, the devil is fighting for your calling. He's fighting for your purpose. He's fighting for your soul. My question to you is, are you going to start taking some things personal in your life? Or are you going to let the devil have his way? It's time to take some things personal. Impact Church, it's time to take some things personal. It's time. It's time to fight back. It's time to fight back. It's time to take some things personal. And so for me, for the, the last year, I've been on this mission to take the very weapon that the devil tried to use against me and flip it and use it against him. My motto, which I can't say in church, Probably can't say it as a pastor. But my motto is, okay, devil, F around and find out. You done F'd around and now it's time to find out. And as we approached the one year anniversary of my stroke, I couldn't stop thinking about our first song, He Is the Miracle, because he was my miracle. And about a month ago, About a month ago, God put a new song in my heart. So I went to one of our worship leaders, Daniel, and I said, Daniel, I've got a new song in my heart. And I want you to take it and I want you to run with it. And I gave him the vision of the song and I gave him the structure of the song and I gave him some words to the song, not very many. But the words I gave Daniel, as I said, this is not the end of my story. It's another, it's another chapter for your glory, more to be written, more worship from within you're not done. There's more to come. And so Daniel said, PT say less. I got you. And I mean to tell you that brother ran with that thing and he got alone with God and under the anointing of God and he absolutely slayed that song. Write down everything that he's done, but leave some room (laughs) because I know he's not done. And I know everybody's been blowing us up about this song. So I thought I would let you know it will be released in February to the world. So, yeah, you got to wait till February, but it will be released to the world in February. So today, for the next few minutes, I wanna just preach, this is not the end of the story. Look at somebody and tell them, this is not the end of the story because they need to hear that. It's not the end of the story. I'm, I'm still alive. You're, you're still alive. Your health is not the end of the story. Your marriage is not the end of the story. Your future, it's not the end of the story. Your dreams, it's not the end of the story. It's not the end of her story. It's not the end of his story. It's not the end of their story because God's not done. Look at somebody and tell them, God's not done. God's not done. God's not done. Father, we thank you for your word today god we thank you for life and miracles we thank you god for your power and your presence and i pray god that the same power the same resurrection power of jesus christ the same power that raised our savior from the dead the same power that not only saved but restored my life god it it manifests itself in everybody in this room today and everybody listening to this message today god we pray God, that you would do the impossible. God, I thank you for every life, every story in here today. I thank you that this is not the end of the story. I thank you that there's so much more for your glory. I thank you that you're not done, that there's more to come, and we trust you as the author of our lives. We surrender. We lift up high the name of Jesus Christ. in your mighty name. We all say, amen. 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 Let's put our hands together for our, for our good, good God. There's this man in the Bible. His name is Hezekiah. And Hezekiah was a king. And I love the story of Hezekiah. He, he, He was one of the kings of Judah. And the Bible says that King Hezekiah did what was good and right and faithful before the Lord, his God. Wouldn't you like the the, the Bible to say that about you? Like if there was just something, anything at all, if you were in the Bible, that's what I would want right there. It says that he was good and right and faithful before God. I want to read to you 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 5-7. through It says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. It says, he held fast. Look at somebody to say, held fast, held fast. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. Listen, I want to, I just want to for a minute, talk to all of you that are leaders, your leaders, your supervisors, your bosses, your business owners, your teachers, your coaches, your leaders in whatever it is in your life. This is a verse for you. It says he was successful in whatever he did. He did. Why? Because he was faithful to God. He was faithful. He kept pursuing. He did not stop following God. He kept the commands God gave him. There was no king like him. It's crazy. It says there was never a king like him before or after him. There wasn't one before or after him. And I don't know what situation that you find yourself in today, but I want you to write a couple things down. And number one is this. Hold fast to the Lord. Hold fast. Yeah, somebody shout amen. Hold, hold fast to the Lord. Hold fast and don't let go. Hezekiah trusted the Lord. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands of the Lord. That God gave to Moses and the Lord was with him and he was successful in whatever he undertook. He did not stop doing what was good. He did not stop doing what was right. He was faithful. He didn't stop following. He kept his commands. The Lord is with you. Hold fast to The Lord, I remember it laying in my hospital bed. I have no idea which day it was, but I'm laying in the hospital bed several days into it. And I'm holding hands with some of my family members. And I said, I want us to worship God. And Amelia and Daniel were in the room and I said, I want us to worship God. I said, I want us to sing a song That Maverick City Chandler Moore sings. It's a man of your word. Can we sing man of your word? I want to sing man of your word. And right there in that hospital room. We sang out loud. And we worshipped God. Why did I want that song? It says all things are possible. When we believe. You keep your promises. If you said it. We believe it. You're a man of your word. You're a man of your word. God, I'm going to hold fast to you, but I'm also going to hold fast to your word. I'm also going to hold fast to the promises for my life. And I'm not letting go. I'm not giving my ear to the attention of the enemy. I'm not giving my ears to what the doctors are saying. I'm giving my ears to what our great physician has already said. He's already said it. It's already done. What situation are you holding on to right now? What are your. What do you need God to do in your life desperately? And hang on to God. Hold fast to God. It's easy to look at something with your eyes and say it's over. That's why Paul says that I walk by faith and not by sight. I hold fast to God's word. I hold fast to hope. I hold fast to God's promises and his truth. When I look back at my stroke, I can't imagine how my family felt. I can't imagine how my wife must have felt. Her husband might not make it. And if he does, he's going to be a vegetable. I can't imagine that moment. And my wife, Natalie, she held fast to a Bible verse. She actually read it in the opening video while she's laying in that hospital bed with me. We're snuggled up in my hospital bed. She's holding me and she's clinging to this verse and she ended up posting it. This is an actual post from her Instagram about one year ago. And it says, by faith, in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is in Jesus' name that the faith comes through him, has completely healed him. Everybody look at me. As you can all see. As you can all see. She's clinging to a scripture. She's holding on to truth when it wasn't true yet. She's holding on. Make this man strong again. When I was weak. Fighting for my life. Hold fast to the Lord. Hezekiah held fast and he didn't stop following. He was close to God. He was a man of God and God was with him. If I could give Hezekiah, if I could give King Hezekiah a nickname, it would be house cleaner. Because Hezekiah cleaned house. If you read the story of Hezekiah, he tore down pagan altars. He tore down pagan idols. He cleaned house. He broke generational curses. How many would like to break some generational curses in your own family line, in your own bloodline? He broke generational curses because his daddy, King Ahaz, Ahaz was a wicked king. He's the one that put all the altars in there. He's the one that worshiped the pagan god Baal. He's the one that put all the pagan altars and the pagan idols up in the first place. He worshiped the false pagan gods. He even sacrificed, listen, he even sacrificed his own sons in the fire as a worship to Baal. It was King Ahaz. He was the one who closed down the temple of God in Jerusalem. But it was Hezekiah who reopened it. He tore down idols. He tore down altars. He broke generational curses. He cleaned the temple out and he reopened it. And because of his heart for God and because he was right and good and faithful to God and to his word and because of his leadership, revival came to Judah impact family. Listen, maybe it's time for you to start cleaning house. Maybe it's time for you to start tearing down some things in your life that don't please God. Maybe it's time for you to start tearing down strongholds and tearing down generational curses and start tearing down some of those friendships that are pulling you away from God. Take some things personal. Fight back. Hezekiah cleaned house. I want to pick up two chapters later in 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse 1. It says about that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave the king a message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order for you are going to die. How many like that news? It's like the prophet Isaiah is coming. Hey, got news for you, buddy. You're going to die. You're going to die. Set your affairs in order. You're going to die. You will not recover from this illness. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord. Whew. Remember, oh Lord, how I've always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. And then he broke down and wept bitterly. I I want you to write this second thing down is that God hears your cry. God hears your cry. Listen to me. God hears you cry. He hears your cry. He turns his face. He hears this news. I'm going to die. He turns his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord. Remember, oh Lord, how I've served you. I've been faithful. I've been faithful. I've served you. I've done what pleased you, God. And then he broke down and he wept bitterly. Listen, this is significant. He turned his face to the wall. He turned his face to the wall. When the king got this bad news from Isaiah, there would have been a house full of people in that room. There would have been the prophet himself. There would have been doctors, court officials, the court secretary, the valet. There would have been all these different people in the room with him. When you hear bad news and there's people in the, the Bible says he turned his face to the wall. I think this is so important because it's significant of directing all of my focus and my attention to God. It's significant of the fact that I need to be I need to be alone with God. I need to be alone with God. I need to get with God. And the Bible says that he cried I want you to look at somebody and tell them it's okay to cry. No, no, no. You didn't say that with the same conviction that I said it. Look at somebody and tell them it's okay to cry. It's okay to cry. My 22 year old, almost 23 year old daughter, Kylie, we were in, um, sixth grade. Well, we weren't, but she was. And she played basketball for this crazy guy. Coach Michael Gwynn, who sits in the front row now every Sunday. And he is crazy. For the Arizona Rebels. We went to Vegas. You remember that whole... We went to Vegas for this tournament. We're in the state championship. Or whatever you call that. The tournament championship. We felt like it was the world championship. And we're playing, who are we playing? NorCal. And it was a close game, man. They were crazy. We are saved. They were unsaved. (laughs) My daughter's dribbling up the court and there's parents standing on the court, cursing out my daughter, calling her names. We had, we had one of our moms, she's like nine months pregnant and a guy tried to fight her. Like, that's how crazy it was. It was crazy. It got so out of control. We wanted to win. So it got so out of control. It got so crazy that in the third quarter coach, Mike, he just walks out on the court and goes, we're done. It's over. It, It was the best thing. It was the best thing. It was the smart thing. It was the wise thing to do it got bad and I'll never forget we're in the huddle and he's got all these sixth grade girls looking up at him who all went on to play college basketball like everyone from that team and everybody's crying because they wanted to smack these kids they wanted to slap them the only one not crying is Kylie my daughter And he looks at Kylie and he goes, it's okay to cry. Boom. (laughs) She was just waiting for the okay. And she started crying. It's okay to cry. I, I need, I need every woman to find a man right now. I don't care if you know the man, look at a man and tell a man right now, it's okay to cry. It's okay to cry. By the way, it's healthy to cry. It's healthy to cry. It's okay to cry. God hears your prayers. Hezekiah, he weeps bitterly. By the way, it's biblical to cry. The shortest verse in the Bible. Y'all know that one. That was an easy one to memorize. <laughs> Jesus wept. John 11:35. I'll never forget it. Jesus wept. If you don't cry, you ready for this? It's an indicator that you have a hard heart. I'm as man, man, as man as a man. I'm pumped full of masculinity and testosterone. I'll get up here and cry in front of thousands of people. It's okay to cry. It's okay to cry. God hears your cry. Remember how faithful I've been, God. Remember how I've been serving you single-mindedly and he broke down and wept bitterly. I remember laying in the hospital bed another moment. I don't know if it was the same day, a different day. I don't know, but I was crying and Pastor Andre was in there. And I looked at him and I said, Dre, I'm so sorry, man. I thought we had another 30, 40 years together. I wasn't done yet. I didn't know he went back and did staff meeting without me because I was in the hospital. (laughs) And told our whole staff that and he cried. What I'm trying to tell you is that God hears your cries. He sees your pain. He hears it. He feels it. He cares about it. In Psalm 20, verse one, the Bible says in the times of trouble, may the Lord answer your cry. Oh, yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Answer. Answer our cries. God, answer our cries. Hear it. God, answer it. God hears your cry. He hears your prayers. Listen to this in verse four in second Kings chapter 20, but before Isaiah had left, remember Isaiah gave him bad news. You're going to die, dude. He left. And before he got to the middle courtyard, the message came to him from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people and tell them, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor, David says, I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears and I will heal you. And I will heal you. And three days from now, you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. And I will add 15 years to your life. And I will rescue you from this city and the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own honor and for the sake of my servant, David. This, this, this is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears and I will heal you. And God is saying to you today, Impact Church. He is saying, I have heard your prayers. I have seen your tears and I am going to heal you. Listen, listen. If God really hears our prayers. If he really does. I think you think he does or you wouldn't even be here today. If he really does answer our prayers, you can bet your life and everybody you know's life on the fact that PT is going to be praying. If God answers my prayers and God hears my prayer, I'm going to be praying. Two of my favorite verses on prayer. I wouldn't say two of my favorite. They're my two favorite verses on prayer is Philippians chapter four, verse six. You know, this one who knows this one, Philippians chapter four, verse six, read it out loud with me. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Look at somebody and tell them, let them be made known. Let them be made known. You have not, maybe because you asked not. Make it known, start asking. My other favorite one was actually my first favorite one. I was gonna get it on my arm as a tattoo and then I had a stroke. Decided I should probably wait on that one for a while. (laughs) By the way, I'd never have a tattoo till I was 47 years old. Now I'm going to get them everywhere. My face, my nose, my eyelids. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. My my wife, she's talking about midlife crisis. I said, I don't think I had a midlife crisis. (laughs) I can't listen to that. I got to listen to the voice of God. My My favorite is Ephesians 3.20. Let's read it together. Now, all glory to God, who is, say it again, who is, say it again, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So start thinking and start asking because he hears our prayers. I feel the spirit of God telling you today, I'm going to. To rescue you. I'm going. To defend you. I'm going to extend. Your life. I'm going to add. Value to your life. Peace to your life. Joy to your life. Purpose to your life. But you need to follow. Me. Follow him. Follow him. Follow him. Number three. The third thing I want you to write down, and this is a big one. Never, somebody say never, never, never forget the miracles God has done. Write down everything that I've done. But leave some room because I know he's not done. You know, the prophet Isaiah has a book in the Bible called Isaiah. (laughs) We really learn the deep things of God at Impact Church. Isaiah records the same story about King Hezekiah. The same story. And I want to read to you for a minute. In Isaiah 38, 16 and 17, he says... This is immediately after Hezekiah has been spared. This is immediately after Hezekiah's life has been extended. His prayers have been answered. Look what it says. A writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after his illness and recovery. I said, in the prime of my life, must I go through the gates of death and be robbed of the rest of my years? You restored me to health and let me live. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. A writing of King Hezekiah. A writing from the king of Judah after his illness and recovery. Never forget the miracles that God has done. It's easy to lose sight. Wow, God did that. And you've got to remember the miracles, not only as a state of the mind of gratitude and a heart of gratitude, but listen, listen, listen. When you remember what he did, it tells you what he's going to do. When you remember he did it before, it reminds you that he's going to do it again. That giant that you faced that one time in your life and you thought you'd never get through it. Listen, you're here. Remember, it was so stressful. You had so much anxiety. You thought you were going to lose your mind. You thought maybe I should take my life. Listen, you're here. I need to remember what god has done i'm gonna write it down god saved me listen god rescued me god healed me so i'm gonna talk about it i'm gonna sing about it i'm gonna write about it i'm gonna i'm, I'm, I'm gonna write songs about it i'm gonna write journals about it i'm in the middle of writing a book about it called count it all joy write down everything that he's done write it down Write it down. I I challenge you. I bet you can't even think of everything God's done. But I bet it encourages you. And I bet it builds your faith. About what God's going to do. Write it down. Never forget. Make a memorial out of it. Make a monument out of it. An altar to God. God, I never want to forget. The miracle that you did in my life. I never, ever want to forget it. And it's, it's so easy to forget when you're now up against this next giant and you don't know how you're going to get past it. It's so easy to forget God has slayed a thousand giants already it's easy to forget I'm standing at the edge of the Jordan River between me and the promised land is this raging river and the Bible says it was at its peak during harvest time Moses had just died I know God could do it. I mean, I know he could. He did it before, but but we had Moses. Now we have Joshua. He hasn't led us anywhere yet. Moses led us out of bondage in Egypt. Moses led us through the 10 plagues. Moses led us through the wilderness for 40 years. He led us. We followed him cloud by day, fire by night. Moses, the guy that was given the Ten Commandments. But our leader's dead. How? How, God? How? How are we going to get across? How are we going to get across this Jordan River? I I just want to tell you that they got across the Jordan River. It was the same miracle as the Red Sea only different because with the Red Sea, Moses walked up and God told him to lift his staff and he lifts his staff in the waters part but when it came to the Jordan River, God said send the Ark of the Covenant, the Bible, the presence of God and the priests into the water first as you study that text You learn that they didn't think God was going to do it. But the Bible says the water was dammed up 17 miles away in a different city. The miracle had already been done. They just didn't see it yet. But it was already done. And I just believe for us today, the miracle is already done. The river's already been dammed up. The river has already been blocked. It's already been done. Stay faithful to God. Stay faithful to God. And they all walk across, and God gives this instruction. He says, through Joshua, Joshua calls together 12 men. That he had appointed. From each tribe. The 12 tribes of Israel. And he said to them. Go before the ark of the Lord. Into the middle of the Jordan. They've already crossed. They're already all on the other side. Go back. Go into the middle. I want you all to grab a stone. According to the number of tribes. 12. 12 stones. To serve as a. Listen to this. A sign among you. And in the future, when your children ask. What do these stones mean, daddy? Grandpa, what do these stones mean? What is this 12 stone altar thing? God God set us free. God did what he said he would do. We thought the story was over, but the story was not over. those stones are a memorial. So my encouragement to you is make some memorials in your life. Stack some stones in your life. Make an altar to God of thanksgiving about all the great things he has done. Write down everything that he's done, but leave some room Cause I know God is not done yet. He's not done yet. We have so many fun things in the lobby and it's almost like these storyboards of my, uh, my God's miracle that I did not know my team was going to put together. So everything out there is a surprise to me. I did not know that sermon intro video. I've never seen it before in my life. I didn't know that my wife was going to record herself saying all those words. So that just set me up right out of the shoot to be super emotional. But I just wanna say that you guys are one of my stones because you help get me through And some of you are like, what do you mean? Well, when I had that stroke, the whole church came together and wrote notes to me, prayers, scripture, like 2,500 of them, which means about 4,000 people said, we don't care about them, whatever. (laughs) And so in the lobby, we have some little notepads you can have that you can start writing in write it down. We've got some stones. You can write on a stone, something that God's done. Does anybody have something that God has done in their life? Yeah. Come on. I mean, isn't it good? Something that God has done. Something that God has done. Last time, look at somebody and tell them, but he's not done yet. He's not done yet. Father, we pray today in Jesus name. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your power, your glory. God, we thank you that it's not the end of the story. It's not the end. We're just in the middle of one of these chapters, but it's not the end. It's not the end. It's not the end. Not the end. Not the end. Yeah. More to be written. More worship. More worship. This is not the end another chapter for your glory to be ridden, but worship from within and if you're here today and and maybe you're here and you say you know what I, i'm not even a christian i came to church today but I, i'm not i've never prayed uh in my life to say god I, I wanna i wanna become a christian listen i i want you to to, to know that i believe in divine appointments by God almighty. And I believe that you are here because God set up an appointment with you for this very moment to say, I've got my arms wide open. I've got my arms wide open. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Will you come? Will you come? Will you surrender to me today? Will you surrender your life to me? The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, it says you are saved. You are saved. If you're here today and that's you, you say, man, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ today. I want to become a Christian today. Would you just lift your hands? Just lift your hands where I can see it. Today is my day. I want to pray to give my life to Jesus Christ today. If your hand is, you you just pray right now. Jesus, I give you my life today. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for unconditional love. Thank Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for paying the price. Giving yourself up as a ransom for me. thank you that this is the beginning of my new life this is the beginning of my new story in christ jesus god we're so grateful we're so grateful god we love you today we celebrate you father god in jesus mighty name we all say amen amen thank you for joining us today If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and get you more connected. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.